0: Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Master Mix podcast. My name is Mike and Navina, and in today's episode, I have a great chat with Kane Cherco. And if you're not familiar with Kane, Kane is the son of Kevin Churko, who is a famous producer in his own right, who has also worked with tons of great bands. But Kane has definitely made a name for himself very, very quickly, especially in the rock world. But he's done a whole bunch of different stuff. He's worked with big artists like Ozzy Osbourne, Five Finger Death Punch, Papa Roach. Flyleaf, and a whole bunch more. And not only is Kane an amazing engineer and producer, but he's also a fantastic songwriter who's written some amazing songs for some of the big artists that he's worked with. He has a lot of strengths. And I think that all of those things come together in his role as a producer. And I think that that's something that a lot of bands gravitate towards because they know that when they're working with him, they're not just getting somebody who's gonna push buttons and get a good sound, but more importantly, they're looking for somebody who's going to be able to help them turn their songs into something amazing and help them see their vision through and produce amazing songs. So I think you're going to find this episode to be great, and I think you're going to find it very helpful and useful. So let's not waste any more time. Let's just jump right into it. Ken Chirko, thank you so much for being on the Master Max podcast. Thanks for having me. So for people who might not know your background, can you give us a little bit of that story and how you got into recording and engineering and
1: writing songs? Yeah, sure. Um, I am a... Engineer, producer, mixer, songwriter. Lots of the projects I work on um, of my own, I'm I'm typically doing every part of the process. So I'm I'm writing with the band, I'm engineering, producing, mixing, and even mastering my own records. I have a pretty general good understanding of every step of the process, I think, and um, I think is helpful for a lot of the bands I work with. I'm most, I guess, quote-unquote, known for uh, hard rock music and metal. Bands like Papa Roach, Five Figure Death Punch, In This Moment, skillet, hailstorm, lots of cool stuff in that genre. But I do all sorts of stuff, and I have an appreciation for all kinds of music, and I've been in bands and all that kind of stuff too. So I love music and uh, just love all kinds, of, all kinds of music.
0: Amazing. And you come from a very musical family. You were just telling me off air that your your dad had a band with uh, your grandfather and uh, the rest of your family?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, my dad's a producer as well, and uh, we do a lot of work t- work together and write a lot of stuff together as well. Still, he comes from a musical family as well. So my um, when he was a kid, rather, uh, he, he was actually in a family band with my grandpa, with my grandma, with my, my other uncles and my, my aunt called Turco. And they, they toured all over Canada, played country bars and all, did the whole circuit in, I guess, what would have been the um, late 70s and 80s. So I'm actually going up there uh, in a, to Canada, to Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan in a, in a, Few weeks here for a 30th anniversary Turco show. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, awesome. So, my, my grandma's playing bass, my grandpa's uh, playing guitar, my uncle Corey is playing guitar as well, my dad plays drums, I'll be, I'll be singing some songs. And uh, my, my uh, cousin Alethea is going to be singing as well.
0: That's so awesome, man! I can't even imagine playing in a band with like my grandparents. that's <laughs> so cool.
1: <laughs> you, you know, the funny thing is, surprisingly, growing up, I would go on tour with them and and travel with them and stuff as a, as a young kid. But I never actually, I never actually grew up playing music with my grandparents and whatnot by the, by that time. By the time I could play music anyway, so uh, this is actually kind of a fun, cool thing for me because I I wasn't part of. Those shows back then, so this is kind of a first for me to be able to uh, you know play songs with three generations of people here, and it's it's really neat. So with your family being so musical,
0: was there a pressure for you to get into music as well, or was there any sort of expectation of that?
1: I would say from my family members that are in music, there's probably more pressure to to get to not get into music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think everyone that has been it's been in music professionally. You know, eventually has some mixed emotions about certain aspects of the business and and the and the industry. And just it's it's a difficult it's a difficult path, and it's not not an easy one. And there's no um, there's no straight line (laughs) to 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 follow at all. So so I get that. Um, But but I think uh, no. I mean, there wasn't really pressure to get into it. I think in in a certain sense, it was almost so normal within my family that no one really like thought about it even as a kid for me i just assumed writing songs was something everybody did and that like everybody's dad played in a band or wrote songs or something, and there was really absolutely nothing special to me about about making music or about playing in a band. Not till I got a lot older and I could discern, oh no, not everybody, <laughs> not everybody's dad's in a band with his grand with his grandparents and <laughs> and and whatnot, right? Um, so 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 it's. Uh, yeah, it just it was a very, it was a very nor- normalized thing. I mean, there was always instruments around, there was always things recording, but but it was never like ta-da, here's this equipment or whatever. It was just regular objects of life that just seemed to to, to live around me.
0: Yeah, I was just interviewing Garth Richardson not too long ago, and he was talking about growing up in a family with his dad, who obviously was very successful as an engineer and producer in his own right. I imagine that it was something like that for you, where you're just kind of exposed to it all the time. And, and is that how you naturally fell into working in studios, like just being around your dad and, and being around all that music?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I, I definitely gravitated towards recording um, pretty pretty early on and and songwriting pretty early on. I mean, when I was a little kid, I. Wrote songs. I, I wrote songs before I knew I was writing songs and that's, you know, and whatnot. I just heard things. I'd, I'd like to repeat them. They'd have choruses without me even knowing what choruses were and stuff like that. And I think it just fascinated me that you could kind of create something, you know, in your head and have it be a thing. Probably when I was like, I don't know, maybe eight or nine or ten or something like that, um, I'd even take like my sister's Fisher Price recorder with the microphone on it and set that up against a ghetto blaster and play songs. Sometimes they'd have like an instrumental version on uh, like the opposite side of a cassette back then for a single or whatever. I remember like Michael Jackson, Black or White the instrumental on the other side. So I'd play that on one and get a blaster. And then I'd actually like write a song or sing a different song or different lyrics or different things on top of that into the other, um, into the Fisher Price recorder. So this wasn't even a thing that was shown to me or cued to me. It was just like, I probably saw people recording things and that just seemed like, oh, that's what I... That's, that's what a normal normal kid does is you, re- you record songs, at a, songs in his bedroom. It's like, I don't think even my family even probably noticed that. I wish they had those recordings and it wasn't like, oh, look what he did. It was just, like I said, it was just such a normal thing, I think, to record things and I just did it. And so, so when I, it's funny when I... Look back now and see how um, I pretty much do the same thing I did as a kid. Now I just uh, set up more microphones and uh, more. You still more use that co- Fisher Price recorder. More equipment. <laughs> co- you know, I wish it'd be, it'd be fun to uh, like uh, bring it in and model it or something, right? And <laughs> m- m- make the the tone a preset. <laughs> that could be your signature plugin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I use a lot of plugins that make things sound like Fisher Price recorders. So, uh. <laughs> but yeah, no. So- I, I think I just loved. Uh, I loved hearing things back. I love that you could just press a button and then do something, and then five minutes later press play and hear it back and have it be a thing. And that that just seemed kind of. Um, it's still, it's a, it's really quite a fun magical thing to have. Take an idea from seemingly nowhere, you know, whether it's in your head or whether it's an accident or whether it's something you've consciously composed, and um, to be able to just bring it to life and show it to people and go, H- "Here, here, look, check this out." It's it's really neat. I think that's really cool. Still.
0: So, did you learn primarily just kind of figuring it out on your own or trial and error, or did you go to any sort of schooling or? internships or anything like that?
1: I pretty much just learned in the field. Um, I started with, I mean, I started with the Fisher Price recorder, (laughs) I guess you could say. But but, but, uh, years later, when I finally got into playing um, guitar, um, I actually... I had a four track cassette i think it was yamaha can't remember the actual model but I found it in my grandpa's garage or whatever and i brought this four track home and i made imme- almost the same time i started playing guitar i immediately started multi-tracking stuff i guess and learning how to compose that way and that 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 just opened my mind so much more that okay i could actually play one thing at a time i could just play a guitar part and then go back and sing something on top of it and or improvise or whatever so i Immediately started composing songs, recording songs on these cassettes, and um, and whatnot. And then eventually, probably by the time I was fourteen, my dad brought Pro Tools to rig home, and I started using Pro Tools. So I've I've been using Pro Tools, I guess, almost almost twenty years, coming up on twenty years, I'm, and I'm just about thirty four. So, so so it's a long time. There wasn't there wasn't many fourteen year olds using Pro Tools back then when I was. Starting to use it—that's for sure. I'm, nowadays, there's so much more software, and kids—kids kids are starting younger and, and and learning this stuff even younger. But um, but then it was pretty new, and that that totally changed my—you um, know—opened my mind even more to then be able to record dozens of tracks and use plugins and and manipulate things and um, you know just record one note and move it move it around on a grid. <laughs> that was a whole different level of creativity to me than. Um, than even uh, the, my previous version of recording in a four track. I immediately got him to Pro Tools, just loved it. And uh, it he, my dad would just bring me one one thing home at a time and you know until I, until I learned the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and uh, started recording songs, started, ma- started making my, my music.
0: And so was your dad active in helping you learn a lot of those tools then? Or was it, like you say, he would bring home little projects for you to work on. Was he coaching you through it or were you just like going to town and being creative doing whatever felt right to you
1: he generally would let me do my own thing he, he'd show me just enough to be dangerous you know show me how to you know properly turn something on and and, and whatnot but ne- it was never like a here let us sit sit down and have a lesson he, it, it'd be more here's here's this thing let me show you how not to how not to break it <laughs> and then uh i'd go do my own thing you know explore what i could with uh, whatever the technology was, and then maybe at that point I'd you know I'd have something to play him, and, I, and I'd say hey, hey Dad, come listen to this, and I'd, I'd show him my session, and then he'd maybe show me some tricks within the session, or you know whether it was creative stuff of like have you thought about adding this harmony or background vocal part or or whatever, or whether it was just show me a new plugin like how to sample something or. Um, or use MIDI for the first time and thing, you know, th- program drums, things like that, right? So, so it was, it was never very focused. It was very much, you know, he kind of, I think he just wanted to always see where where I'd go with it too, and and just if I was just naturally into it, which I which I was. So, almost wasn't until kind of a couple years of tinkering that then then I guess my education became a little bit more. Uh, Formal with working on working on actual projects for him and with him and him showing me the, ac- the specific ways he wants things done or the specific ways he does he does something whether it's editing or recording or whatever and um, th- then I you know then I started to, to learn the right ways to do things but for the most part um, I've always liked to learn with just. Let me let me just try it out first, and then, and then I'll uh, and then I'll read the manual later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, it certainly keeps things creative, right? It, sometimes when you don't know the right way to do it, it actually en- ends up being like a, a better learning experience, right? a
1: and I think I think he always had a sense of that because he was a lot more technically trained, I would say, than me, um, just with music and stuff and lessons and, and everything. I was I was with everything I've done. I've always been a little bit more self taught. Of like, here's a guitar, figure out how to play it. That rather than go to a teacher, learn every note, learn every chord, learn every scale. So he has a lot more theory and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it's like, I, I, I remember him even telling me things when I was young of just like, some of the people that are the most creative aren't the people that are the most technical. Even kind of explaining a band like Nirvana and stuff like that and explaining how like, that's a good example of just emotion and attitude and good storytelling rather than being really really exceptionally great at your instrument and whatnot and how there's something special about that and how sometimes learning the rules too much uh, makes you too aware of them and it becomes harder to break them when you're when you're you know rigidly holding holding on to them so i think to to a certain extent he didn't want me to know all the rules that he maybe learned earlier than me and he was kind of more curious to see well what's it like when you just pursue your passion and your um, and I suppose you're interested in storytelling and your own just point of view. So, so, so I generally learned every everything, everything before I how I before I knew how to use anything, and um, and then the the rest of my career was trying to figure out what I was actually doing.
0: <laughs> so you had mentioned that uh, you just said something along the lines of sometimes when you're taught the technical way to do something, it can actually work against you, and that, you know sometimes the, the most creative people are the ones that have no rules and kind of just can. Improvise from there. So, when it comes to something like songwriting, I feel like a lot of people always talk about formulas and structure and all that kind of stuff. So, how do you feel that your knowledge of these formulas, if you want to call it that, like how do you how do you feel like that influences your songwriting?
1: You know now, for me, the trick is trying to kind of forget some of the things that I know well while, while, obviously, incorporating you know the things that i think uh will work i mean as many rules as i might think exist within say like the active rock radio format or whatever i still have this rebellious side to me that's just like i still want to break as many of the rules as i can so it's like yeah okay you need to catch a catchy chorus yeah you need you know you need a lyric people relate to or can understand at least I- I- identify with not everybody has to but un- enough people have to you know that might mean if we're talking about radio that The tempo of your song needs to be more upbeat if it's your first single let's say yeah you can do a ballad by the time you're into your third single but you know so so, you know so you you, yeah yes i think about those kinds of things like you know tempo content you know brand identity all that kind of stuff but at the same time i just want it to be a good song and and a good idea and i would rather function from trying to find a, a point of inspiration first and then figure out how to sort of you gloss it up a little bit and 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 you know round round the edges edges off of it, but um, rather than approach it from like let's start with the most obvious rules of what makes a hit song, you know, it's just um, I'm I'm still very emotion story driven. I think with with what I do and even and and the, and all the production, all the mixing, technical stuff, kind of still just is an accessory to do. We have a good idea or some or something to say.
0: <laughs> it seems like you're you had mentioned earlier that you do a lot of, uh, when you're working with artists, you tend to do a lot, like wear lots of hats. You're, you know, and, and rightfully so you're, you're very multi-talented. You're a great engineer, a great producer, a great songwriter. Um, So how does the process of determining your role when you're producing a band, how does that usually unfold? Like, at what point do you establish whether you're going to be collaborating with an artist as a songwriter? Or is it just something that kind of happens organically? Is that like part of working through your process of, you know, workshopping songs and you're like, ah, you know what, this inspired some other idea or like, how does that normally turn out?
1: That's the fun thing about working with all different kinds of bands is the process is a little bit different. Keeps me on my toes. I don't always have to do... I don't always have to contribute the exact same amount or in the exact same way. I, I always think of myself more with when I'm working with bands more as the, the glue to fill, help help fill in or help them fill in whatever whatever might be missing. In some cases, that means pitching songs and and coming up with song pitches ahead of time. But most of the time. I prefer and like to just get in a room with the artist, with, with the band. Start it with a conversation and ask, you know, what do you want to do? What, do you, what, are, what are your hopes and dreams? What do you like think about? What do you like? What do you do for fun? You know, really get to know the person and kind of get inside their head and um, in some ways help them understand what they want or who they are. And, and then help them really just almost do you know, put that into a song and and, and make it even more, uh, hopefully, concise and clear. I think a lot of times, I mean, we all do it. I mean, I'm, I'm, the funny thing is I make the same mistakes um, and do the same things that the artists, even when I'm working on my own stuff, it's very hard to produce yourself and kind of police Police, police your own ideas. It's it's much easier looking at someone else's ideas and being like, oh no, this is the order everything goes in or like this is wh- what's confusing or not confusing. You know, you, you can ask an artist, oh, what's that one line about? And they'll be like, well, one time when I was seven, uh, we, I had this inside joke with my cousin and that's what this, this line is. And as an outsider observer, I'm just reading it being like, this makes no sense with the rest of the song, because I don't know that inside joke story from when you were seven. And it might be important to the artist, but it's it's confusing, and you don't know what it means maybe in the song. So um, I'm always trying to focus the idea more, get to the roots or the heart of what maybe the artist wants to say. Maybe, you know, maybe in them just telling me the story of that inside joke, I realize, oh, so it's I realize what the content is, what they're trying to say, what the message is. And then I'm like, well, if that's the message, how do we structure or revise everything else to be more on message or to just make it more clear? And, and, you know, whether it's proposing another way to say a line or a different line or re rekeying in on what the um, focus of the actual actual song is you know there's no one way one way I do it I guess other other than I'm I'm always very sensitive um, to the really to the song and to make it making sure it's um, consistent I mean, that makes a lot of sense you know when you're working with artists you're always
0: trying to give them that third party objective opinion and kind of see you know, your example of that like inside joke or whatever, you know, if it doesn't fit with the song then you got to cut it, right? So when you're co-writing with other artists, do you find that do you try to separate yourself from those songs and those lyrics and write from the perspective of the people that you're writing for or do, are you approaching that more from a personal perspective and then just tr- trying to match up the the intent with the artist?
1: It's a little bit of both, I suppose. There is an element of I almost think of it sometimes as like method acting, where I like to get really inside the head of the artist. If I'm working with a new artist and um, and I haven't yet met them, I haven't yet actually worked with them, I'll do a lot of research. I'll read interviews of what they talk about, what they say, who they are, what their point of view is. Really, just trying to find what their their headspace is. So that way, when we're creating together, and when I'm helping them with what they're doing, hopefully. I like to think that hopefully my ideas that I'm proposing to them are still coming from a point of view that's aware of what of who they are. It's it's, it's hopefully you know hopefully an idea I suggest is something that they might have come up with them, themselves as well had they just thought about it long enough or different or differently or or, or whatever. So I would say I'm artist centric first to making sure you know the artist feels what they're doing and 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 believes in what they're doing. But I'm definitely always thinking about the the end consumer, the end listener. And what someone that's hearing this song or this artist for the first time might think, not even just the fans. I mean, yeah, you, you could think about artist fan base, but I'm usually in my head, you know, trying to think almost bigger than that trying to think well how do we reach everybody else that this person isn't already reaching. Okay this band might have 50,000 fans that bought their last record but how do we reach 500,000 you know and and so, so I'm, I'm always trying to think of just I guess you know for lack of better words what what the average person at the at the end of all of this is gonna think when they pop the CD in or go on Spotify and start streaming it. I think the good thing about the genre of music that I that I work in within hard rock and metal is I actually didn't grow up listening to that, and I, and I wasn't already a hardcore fan by any means. So I I'm more of a pop guy, more of more of pop, hip hop. I like al- more alternative stuff just in general. You know, I'm I'm less attached to I think lots of the stuff I uh, uh, lots of the stuff within the genre and lots of the existing rules and ways of doing things. And I'm generally just more commercially minded. I like more commercial stuff. So so. By the nature of that, once I started working in this type of music, I just made heavy songs a little bit catchier or a little bit more electronic, like pop music and, and things like that. Really just you know, kind of by applying just how I listen to things I like. But I, I think that's what has really kind of carved me a, a space, is that I'm able to be a little bit more objective within this genre because I'm not doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> in, in a certain sense, like, like I, I am trying to make I am in a way where I'm, try, I'm, you know, where I'm trying to work lots of the times with a band, or on a song that maybe I wouldn't have already liked as a fan. And yes, I'm trying to figure out how to get to a point where I like that song, or, or like that idea, or like that band thinking that maybe you know, if I do, because I'm just a regular Joe, then hopefully the regular Joe at the end of it will will also will also like it. You know, I think a lot about concepts like a sports game is made up of mostly casual fans. You know, eighty percent of the people are there just catching a random game. They might only catch one game that year. You know, and only ten to twenty percent are season ticket holders. And yes, you you need to you need to please both, but at the end of the day, season ticket holders are the minority, and you're tr- and I'm trying to. generally get more people coming in the building and, you know, I'm trying to get people to to become a fan in the first place so that eventually they can become a season ticket holder. You know, I I think of it in some of those kind of terms.
0: So I think it's really interesting that you said, you know, that you kind of came into this genre as not really like a super fan of it necessarily. And and, and you're given this objective opinion, which I think is very cool because it kind of, it gets rid of all those like stereotypes or formulas or whatever. Right. But then at the same time, you've you've also you you co-wrote a song with Ozzy Osbourne, right? And so, with someone of that size and who has that big of a back catalog that's like super revered, what's the approach for something like that? Does that does that change your opinion? Because you've got like a legacy almost that you kind of have to maintain, or or are you just like you know what we're just gonna go in a new direction? Who cares?
1: No, that that's where I start with. Um Kind of, you know, trying to respect the artists, uh, who the artist is first. Yeah, I mean, even when I wrote that song, like I could have, I maybe, you know, at that time I might have only known two or three Aussie songs in my head, and you know, there are all the obvious ones, Crazy Train, Mr. Crowley, a Black Sabbath tune or something. But I still treat it, even though I'm, you know, I don't, I'm that history isn't already embedded in, embedded in me, and I'm not 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 already hip to it. You know, I, I go look things up, and I and I watch all the old videos, and I watch, I listen to the old albums, and you know, I, I read the interviews, I see what's been going on in their lives, um, and all that. So that way, when I sit down and come up with a, a song pitch, or like in the case of the song we're talking about, which was um, "Crucify" um, by Ozzy on his uh, last album, "Scream," and. um you know it is more by that point it's more like it is more like method acting i've, I've thought about like who is ozzy and i sit down at, at pro tools uh, with my guitar with a microphone and i really almost just start to try to imitate what i think ozzy sounds like uh, that can be vocally that can be musically you know a, a kind of riff i start playing or something um i'm always more vocally Minded, so I'm always trying to kind of find a melody first, or like some sort of hook to latch onto, and then build around. But I'm I'm definitely not just like shooting. Oh, this is just catchy. Let me try to turn it into an Aussie song. I'm more trying to find like what sounds, what can I do, or what can I crash into that then starts to sound Aussie-esque, and then you know, th- and then explore it from there, and 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 see either how I can make it newer, or or just how I can make it even more, even more like that artist. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, so you can break it down. I mean, you, you listen to Ozzy and you and Black Sabbath, and you can hear there's a lot of the same kind of tempos, the, you know, similar kinds of grooves within the body of work. Obviously, his voice has a very certain character to it. So, I like to try to imitate voices a lot. And when I do most of my demos, I try to sing it like how I think the person sounds. It's almost like a cartoon. Lots of the times, where you, when I, when I, when you hear some of my demos, because. I'd love to hear these (laughs) because I'm, because I'm literally imitating these people and I'll play them sometimes for friends. And they'll be like, that's not, you know, Billy Corgan singing or something. I'm like, no, that's me. Just singing a song to try to pitch to Billy Corgan. (laughs) And, um, but to me, that's how I, I get, I get in the zone with it. And that's how I, that's how I start to, that's just where it starts to, to, to respect what it's supposed to be and, and, and work for that person. Um, so that way then when Ozzy sings it or when Ozzy, Gets a chance to write to it or or make his own additions and stuff like that. It's comfortable for him already, because it, it's it's something he might have sang in the key. He might have sang it in, you know. And he's not having to hit notes that are all over the place that aren't notes he wouldn't normally hit. You know, I'll I'll try to listen to just an artist's body of work and and I'll make notes of like you know what's their range, what's the highest note they sing, what's the most comfortable note they sing, what's the lowest note they sing, how do I you know have how do I use all those, all the, the qualities of someone's voice and musical ability within something and just kind of balance it and hopefully make uh, something concise that represents them. No matter how good I think it, it might be or how close I am, of course, you'll then you play it for the artist and they'll have a, a million different things that they want to do to it too. And then you start to just you know pass the ball back and forth and pretty soon you, you you got a game of catch going and you're having fun hopefully and you pivot as you need to um, you know does, just just because I had something locked in that I thought was cool does, doesn't mean it turning into something different doesn't doesn't mean it's not going to be cool or being something else so I try to just be open-minded and for me it's more so about I guess keeping the excitement and the artist excited and invested um, no, no I've, you know, I've learned no matter how good a song is or how much I love it if the artist doesn't like it, or if they don't believe in it, even if they think it's good or catchy or whatever, if they don't want to sing it every day of their lives, then they're not going to sing it, and they're, and it's not going to become a single. Or or they're going to sing it, and it's going to be disingenuous, and the fans will will key in on that whether they know whether they know it or not. So um, I think I think every good song starts with the performer of it having to just really love it and be 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 invested in it to to take it all the way and sell it for the rest of their lives
0: (laughs) I I love that approach that you have of kind of doing like the research behind starting these songs and and you know whether you are like I don't know just making notes or spreadsheeting like the range and all that kind of stuff like I, I just think that that's such a cool approach and I'm sure that you know anybody who's listening to this who's trying to write songs for other people like these are things to consider it's like people have the range that they can hit so you know why write something outside of that or you know outside of those comfort zones
1: i it just also it's just lots of it just respect too it's like i love i love music so much and um if you're working with an artist like ozzy or whoever papa roach and, and any big artist you you gotta i treat it like a movie you know like a movie director would if you if you're gonna direct a star wars movie you're gonna watch all the other star wars movies first and, and you, you're gonna have to figure out who the characters are what the rules of the of of the universe of that universe are you know which ones can be broken in that world, you know. You got to understand that 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 character, you know, those characters, those plot points, those storylines. And if you just blindly try to do a Star Wars movie movie without watching any other Star Wars movies, it would probably suck. It it wouldn't connect to the others. And even if it's good on its own, it would still be like, but it doesn't make sense in the universe, and y- you know all that. So, so I think you know psychology is very important to me, and. Um, I'm a big, rest, big, big wrestling fan as well, and I—it's the same thing. It's just like I—I I want the character to be right, and that's what. That's what artists are to me. They're 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 characters, you know. I mean, Ozzy is uh, the Undertaker, and if you're trying to trying to put a match together or trying to put a put a feud together for the for the Undertaker, you 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 have to figure out who he is and what what he would say, what he would do, what he wouldn't do, what his own personal um, ethics are, I guess, <laughs> and and how that you know and how that and then you got to you know you contrast that with with the other characters and stuff. So, music's the same to me. It's like. Uh, you know, everyone's their own character and personality. And I think a lot of success for artists is them eventually reaching a point where they know who their character is. And it's comfortable and easy and not confusing to other people. <laughs> it's like if the, if the Undertaker walks out and he's wearing all white and he doesn't look like the Undertaker, you just go, well, that's not the Undertaker." And even, he, even if he's like, yeah, but I still look cool. I'm wearing all this. It's like, no, that's not The Undertaker. So trying to get into this, the psychology of just what each character is, you got to understand that on the artist level of who the artist is, you got to understand it on what the record is and what the record means. And even within a song, just that song is a character to me. And it's a, uh, you, you got to make sure the music sounds like, the, the lyrics you don't want the song to sound happy if it's a sad song, you know, and things things like that. So that's what I love about wrestling is uh, the Undertaker dresses like the Undertaker. He 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 wears the same clothes that you'd expect the name of that character to wear. Um, he says the same kind of things you expect that person to say. The the taglines, the you know, you will rest in peace. It's like those to me are his are his hit songs, and those are the things people want to he- hear him do every single time he comes out there that's really like what be, <laughs> to me being be an artist or being in a band is like you got your five special moves and you just you go out there and you play them over and over you do them over and over again and that's what people want and you try to tell more stories within that but at the end at the end of the day you know the, the best artists fall back to just the, the core things that make them unique and uh, make them them and i think artists art, artists that, that figure that figure that out i think do Function so much better in the music business than artists that maybe don't know who they are yet, or um, or haven't yet figured out their character and what they will do or won't do, and 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 and, and everything. So, yeah, no, it's a, that
0: makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's
1: it, it, it's <laughs> super abstract in a lot of ways, but but um, you know, I don't I don't think it is. It's it, I think these are the questions that we all. Or these are the things we all think about subconsciously when we watch anything, and just doesn't make sense. When you watch a movie, you don't want there to be plot holes. You don't want there to be like, uh, oh, well, everything made sense except for all of a sudden, you know, this guy could has a superpower that he doesn't have the rest of the movie, and and you're like confused. Well, why didn't he fly earlier when he needed to save that person? Yet he can fly at the end, and you, you know, I, I don't like that. I, I like I like I like people just enjoy something and not have to think like. Think about those missing pieces.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a great, great analogy and like an amazing visual. I was just the entire time you were talking about the Undertaker, I was thinking like, how confusing would it be if he came out dressed as like Ric Flair or something like <laughs> that? <You> know, like <laughs> and it can
1: kill the character o- o- overnight. I mean, if you do something that's not consistent enough, people remember it and then they remember, oh, he was cool until he did that one thing, and now, and immediately that negates the the sincerity of everything up until that up until that point yeah I mean when you work with artists like Ozzy it's like I don't I don't want someone that's loved this guy for 30 years to all of a sudden be mad because he's not the Ozzy that they thought he was at the same time you also want them to be pleasantly surprised and and hopefully be like oh I didn't realize you know Ozzy could do that you know every, every now and again the Undertaker will do a move that isn't in his normal move set and you are like, oh wow, that looks really, that's cool. I've never seen him do that, and that's what makes it surprising and, and cool. But you can't do that all the time because people just want to see the hits. They want They, they want to see him tombstone someone and choke slam someone and tell them to rest in peace and push them in a coffin and go go home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love all of your wrestling analogies. <laughs> <right? laughs> <laughs> so good. But yeah I mean it's very interesting because like yeah to your point you're almost formulaic in in the sense of like how you research people and in that in itself creates this method acting in your in your style which I imagine just creates a wide range of abilities in your songwriting because you are trying to match these different styles and different genres and all sorts of different techniques that people would implement into their own songs. So I think that that's very cool. But at the core of it all, I mean, there still has to be a foundation in terms of a song. So in your opinion, what ultimately makes a great song?
1: I mean, I think everybody has, (laughs) has probably their own opinion about what makes a great song for them to listen to. You know, I, I know the things that I enjoy. You know, I like being able to... I like hearing something and then being able to hum it. You know, I, li- I like being able to sing along. I mean, everyone loves to share music, right? So it's like, who, who, you know, if you love something, you want to be able to, hey, if you hear some song you love, you want to, you want to share it with other people. And if you can't remember how it goes or uh, what the title of it was, it becomes harder to share it. So I, I think in a lot of ways, I like sort of a focused... A a focused approach to can I hear a song, know what it's about, repeat it, apply it to my own life, can I uh, karaoke it at the same time, can it be the soundtrack for my life? And beyond that, yes, I'm super picky about lyrics, I, I like things to be focused, you know, every song doesn't have to be like a story, you know, a super linear story, but, you know, if it's a song about, you know, rising up against injustice, I want all the lyrics to be consistent to that. So when you when you read them, or when you when you sing along, you, you know, it's not that And there's not all of a sudden a line out of nowhere, where you're like, well, that what it confuses it, or, you know, whatever. Um, y- yeah, I mean, I like, I like, I like catchy music. So I, I talk, I, I always I keep in my head, I keep going back to just repeatability and, and things like that. And, and I know a lot of people will be like, Oh, catchy music, uh, that's pop, or, you know, or, or, or something. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's like the, you know, there's, I like that infectious feeling of hearing of hearing something and just not being able to get it out of you, kind of. And so, so you know, in that respect, I've never, I, I can appreciate all kinds of music, but I've, n- I've never really enjoyed, you know, things that are too progressive or too jam based. I, I, like just, I like a really good tight composition. <laughs> I, I suppose I like it. I like it to sound good. Um, but that's secondary. It's it, it you know, and then emotions first. I mean, something can break every rule, but if within the first couple lines you can just feel the sadness of the singer or the or the lyric or something like that. I mean, I love, I I love being taken away to another world. I guess, and when I'm in that world, I, I love getting lost in it and not being distracted by what's outside of that space. Um, yeah. <laughs> so would you say that, like, what common mistakes would you see
0: or do you see commonly in the songs that people are bringing to you? Do you is it more of those kind of inconsistencies in the story and in the lyrics, or is it in, in arrangements, or what, what do you typically
1: see? I, I think one of the biggest things is is lyrics. I think some people don't think about them deeply enough, and then some people also think about them too deeply. You know, in, in my head, I'm always kind of trying to pull People back towards the middle more if they're, if they're overthinking it. I'm like, how do we think get you to think about it less and not make every line you know so unnecessarily uh, dr- dramatic or or you know potentially pretentious if you're trying to just put too much too much smartness into lyrics. Uh, but I like I like things to generally I'm I'm I like things to be a little more conversational as far as the type of tone of of lyrics. Um, I'll work with some people who will maybe be a li- little bit more po- poetic in some ways, but almost it bec- almost to a point where it becomes unrelatable. You know, if let's say someone's has a line about, you know, it, c- it could be something abstract, like, today, I will cross the great divide in- and enter into the, t- you know, into the never, <laughs> or whatever, something like that, <laughs> right? It, it like, cool sounds cool sounds like it might be deep and poetic, but from my point of view, when would you ever say that to another person? And when, you know, if you're, if you're telling that, you know, really what you're saying is you, you crossed the street or you crossed, you, you know, you, you you, <laughs> you, you overcame something you overcame, you, you know, and that's what you'd say to a friend, you'd be like, Oh, t- today I overcame this, this obstacle. You wouldn't say I crossed the great divide. You know, in one sense, I like to, I like to try to bring things to, I, I like to try to humanize the lyrics more and and, 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 function within language and things that I think people would actually actually think in and talk in and I think that makes it easier to understand and share. At the same time, you want it to be poetic and sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you got to take something that's maybe a generic concept and do what I would say, uh, what I would call tattoo it a little bit. And to me, you can take something that's kind of boring and then create some tattoo words you know substitute words that are cooler that maybe mean more that have visuals that don't hopefully that don't dilute what what this simple message is so a lot of it's lyrical message message based some of its you know music music based i guess tempos with just just trying to do less and trying to rather trying to do more with less i think young bands especially their instinct is to just do whatever they know how to do full blast all the time. And a lot of what I'm, when I'm counseling people on is like, how do we just like hit a chord and then sing in between that rather than have a ton of motion and scales and fills. And like, I, I'm always like, let's write the lyric first. Let's see where every, that sits. Let's, let's, and then, f- then we'll fill it in. Then we'll add some cool stuff, you know, and and lead guitar and all that kind of stuff. But, as a foundation of a song, uh, I'm very just probably melody based first, lyric based first, um, and just maybe chords with chords with that. But I don't I don't even like to worry about riffs even early on if I don't have to. It's like if someone's got su- some super cool riff and it's just like, yeah, we need to make a song out of this. Then okay, we'll do that. But. But I'd rather just know that we have a good message or a good content, good content, good title. It's like uh, titles are everything to me and, and and titles are both the hardest part, but also the thing that once you have that, everything else becomes a lot easier. You know, when I work with an artist and I'm, and we have a writing session or however it's starting, you know, I'll ask them like, what, what do you imagine the music video of this idea to be about? You know, how do you th- visually think about uh, a particular concept? Um, and then we start just, ha- when they start describing it to me, I'll just start writing out notes of what they're saying of, uh, oh, I-, I imagine in the music video, this person's on the top of a mountain and there's another person on another mountain and they're yelling across to each other and they can't hear each other, but, you know, w- whatever. And it's just, it's you- immediately a picture is painted and you start to think of, oh, like mountains, sky, distance, screaming, yelling, you know, and y- I'll just you know make a, a text document of 200 different words that they're saying and then and then you know we'll have them up on a on a page and just start they'll just kind of start to find each other a little bit and you start to see then maybe what doesn't connect and you I'll have another text document where we put the best of w- what's on that list over there and then as we realize some stuff doesn't apply we get rid of it and eventually it's just like to me it's like just taking a big ball of clay and you're sculpting something and all of a sudden it's just done and you don't you didn't maybe you didn't have an idea of how you'd get there, but all of a sudden you're like, no, this is a this. I can see what the sculpture is now, and you just car- carved it out enough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. did I answer that? <laughs> no, that, that's cool. That's a very cool
0: exercise too, because I, I think that to your point of people saying things in their lyrics that they would never say in person you know asking them for those visuals of their music video that kind of thing like they're gonna explain the story in clear language so you can actually get them to like dumb it down if you want to say that right and like create that clear language and and turn them into lyrics that actually work
1: totally and and sometimes they don't even know or they or they don't even realize how interesting some of the things that they've either experienced or that they are even saying in that conversation are. I wrote a country record recently with dad and um, with this other artist named Corey Marks, a new artist on the scene. And, you know, we go to lunch with him and he's telling us about how he's been in jail seven times. And to me, that, like this this artist, his character, let's say, is a, an outlaw country artist. And then he's telling me he's been in jail seven times. And my first question is, have you ever written a song about it? And he goes, no, I've never never written a song about the, any of the seven times I've been in jail. To me, that's immediately like the most interesting thing we could possibly write about. I'm like, I want to know what the jail song is because not every client I have has been in jail, let alone seven times. And that's an interesting perspective that's unique to you. That's sincere that we can actually, it's fun to me because I get to explore these fun concepts with these with these people, but they're ultimately, you know, pieces of their actual lives, right? And I love being able to kind of wear their hat for a minute and write a song from the perspective of someone that maybe, you know, from the perspective of someone that's in jail. So, you know, with that, with that artist, we we actually wrote a song on his record coming out um, called last night in jail. It just starts with a conversation and it just starts, you know, I, I I like getting excited about what the artists have to say and who they are. And it's so much more fun to me getting to do what I do. And and I, I get to, to play a little, a little small piece in a bunch of characters rather than just my own point of view if i was writing songs just for myself i i you know i wouldn't do as many <laughs> different things as i get to do professionally helping other people so some days i get to write a song from a female perspective some days i get to write a song from a tough guy dude dude's perspective some 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 days I get to write a country song. Some days it's a hip hop song, and it's it's fun to ex- just explore all those all those worlds.
0: Like it, it, definitely seems to be this like common thread with everything you're saying of just like getting people to just reveal themselves in, in like an honest way and th- and that's something that like so many people forget about they, they, they think it's like art that they're making so they make it artsy for the sake of being artsy and it's like no like the songs people connect to are the ones that like they're hearing someone who's genuine and and who's going to tell you their story and you either relate to it or you don't but you at least can appreciate everything that they're saying and you believe it
1: yeah and and i think a lot of artists you know we, i think most artists are are you know in, insecure to an extent so I see it as kind of my job to help build their confidence a little bit around um, what they're good at and what, why I think they're unique. You know, at this point, I get to choose who I who I work with. So everyone I work with to me is interesting and um, has something different about them. Or, or, you know, there's a reason I want to work with the person. So, you know, sometimes they don't know it about themselves, or sometimes they they maybe haven't seen it yet. You know, it could it could even be not even related to the song itself. It could just be I heard them. They gave me 20 demos to listen to, and on, on one of them, I realized they can sing way higher than they usually do. And to me, it's like, oh, well, that's, you actually sound most interesting there in that one song. Have you tried doing, you know, a lot more songs like that? And, you know, that pretty soon they realize, actually, they've been singing songs in the wrong key their whole life, and they just needed to find where their voice sat best or, or you know, or not be as insecure about their own perspective or their own experiences. Um, I mean, when we're talking about rock music and stuff, a lot of rock songs are painful and about, you know, painful upbringings, painful, you know, abuse, bullying, you know, all that kind of stuff that, um, that leads someone to kind of be an outcast, which most rockers are, <laughs> um, and it can be tough to, for them to, you know, for anyone to dig to dig up, you know, their trauma and and their experiences, you know, sometimes. But you know, the minute they do, and they can, get, you know, they gain perspective on it, they gain confidence on it, they gain, they put some distance between them and maybe those those negative feelings by actually getting it out and articulated in a way and you know I love that kind of stuff it's 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 not just yeah i like a catchy tune but it's not just a catchy it's not just about making a catchy tune to me it really is still trying to help people express themselves and in a lot of ways try and help them reach their dreams yeah definitely and, and from a
0: production standpoint too when people are singing these songs that they have that deep connection to like they're going to perform it better absolutely cuz they believe it that's always a challenge in itself too right getting the right performance out of people and if they if they do believe it they're going to give it in their performance
1: totally i mean the most that that's why it is like that's why i just see is trying to trying to get to such an, an honest place for an artist and and you know an honest representation of who they are is just is is paramount because that's where they believe it that's where other people will believe it and if it's pretend you can only fool people for so long
0: yeah and it's interesting too because i feel like especially these days with technology becoming so accessible and people making demos from home and all this like there's an endless possibility of things you could do to your songs. And, and I find a lot of people just tend to just build for the sake of building because they've got the technology in front of them. And, you know, it's this endless creativity that, you know, they, they can explore if they want. Like, at what point do you say that a song is finished? Like, at what point should people just stop and think like, okay, like I've got the message across or whatever it needs to be, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, hmm. That's a, good, that's a really good question. I mean, for me, it's always like a, every song is kind of like a riddle and you're trying to solve this riddle the whole time and I, I suppose the way i do it or think about it is i'm always trying to i'm always trying to get rid of or improve the weakest link of a song or a production whatever it is and once you once you you know improve the one weak link you realize there's another thing you never even noticed because you were so focused on you know the other weak, weakest link and you keep you just keep moving on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and you know in the beginning you don't see all the things that are wrong with something or all the things that need to be done you just see like the major three or four things and so i'll, I'll start with it with that and then i realize oh actually no there's eight other things and then you do those eight things then you realize actually there's three more things and it you know it's like i really just keep diving back into the problem back into the riddle and into the hamster wheel over and over until all of a sudden for me i just hit a point where I'm not thinking about anything else. Yeah, I mean it's just it's 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 same it's the same psychology for me with a mix too. It's like it eventually gets to the point where I'm like I don't know what else to do. Or or I'm doing things that are so small that I realize okay it's probably done. You know, if, when, once I'm once I'm moving faders ha, half a dB back and forth then it's like maybe this mix is done, you know, but if there's nothing else dramatic to do and you just kind of arrive there and I mean there's something to be said for no mixes ever finished, just abandoned. <laughs> and I, and I kind of think that about songs too. I mean, I think the more I do it, I've done it professionally, the more I realize that it's kind of just like taking a snapshot in time. And I'm going to try to position everyone in the photo as good as I can. I'm going to try to get the lighting as good as I can. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to frame, frame the photo as good as I can. But at the end of the day, you're going to click that button. And whatever's there is going to live on forever and there's going to be some things you maybe didn't even notice that day <laughs> that, that still live on forever that that, that you'll notice notice later and uh, you know i i think you have to kind of sometimes just be prepared to walk away from an, an idea and let it let it live and see, and see what happens you could think it's not done and then it could be the biggest song you've ever you you've ever had and you and then and then you got to reverse engin- engineer your own psychology of like how did that thing that i thought wasn't done be 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 so successful <laughs> <laughs> um or you know or you could th- or 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 you, or you could think it's awesome and um and then you get a bunch of feedback and it's things you never thought about and um you know you, it's like you never stop as a songwriter it's like no no song is ever perfect and uh you know, no one ever knows it. Knows everything. It's like you're constantly learning and evolving. And you know, whatever you know, I. I whatever song i arrive i arrive at thinking it's done i could probably give to you or anybody else and then you, and you'd have three or four ideas of like oh we could also do this and this and this and it, it might it might make it better too so
0: or i could totally destroy it
1: yeah yeah and and i mean i obviously have a client usually a client or a label or a management people i got to deal with you know it comes down to sometimes what they think too and i i might you know they might think something's done and i might tell them hey i think we should do these other three or four things and to it or or try rewriting this one thing and they may just go, no, we, I don't want to, I like this. And I just, maybe you either got to respect that or come up or come up with a better argument, you know, for them at the end of the day, usually the way my sessions go is, is once we're done, we're all looking at each other in the room, just going, okay, well, speak now forever, hold your peace. And, 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 if, and if no one in the, in the room has anything else they want to do, then, uh, then you just got to call it done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And, and you you have to just call it done, right? Because like if you, if you just keep overthinking it, you're going to reverse engineer it to a point where you, you break the magic that was there. And if you just keep working on stuff, you're never going to release it and nobody's ever going to know the magic of that song.
1: Uh, I'm very guilty of that when it comes to my own stuff. <laughs> Not stuff I produce for other people, but if I have no deadline and no uh, boss above me, let's say, Uh, I'll work on a song forever for the rest of time. I'll keep working on it, you know, there's not one mix or one song that I don't think I can make every single song or every single mix. I still think I can make it better each day. You know, I I still think I can come in the next day, even if I thought I was done the day before, I can still come in the next day, fiddle around with a new plugin, try a different, you know, arrangement, edit, try a different intro, you know, whatever, but. But I like making stuff. I like making new stuff, and I like I like keeping on looking ahead too. So it's easy to do that with other people, but you know, as an as an artist m- myself, and for a lot of artists, I think it is it is easy to get stuck in a rut, spin your wheels, you know. And you might be actually legitimately making something even better, but you know, is it is it worth it if it took you ten months to finish a song? Now I would I would rather just throw something away at that point um, and come up with something else, and something that's I'm more inspired by that maybe I, if I have to work on something too long something's wrong with it and I and I and I and I lose perspective and I don't like to I don't like to get to that place I mean if anything I like to work on when I'm working on a record with a band for example I'll work on the whole record at once just so that way when we get to a place where we feel like we're spinning our wheels on a song we can switch to something else and stay inspired working on another thing and then maybe the next day we go back to to the thing we were stuck on and we're not stuck. We we've thought about it. We have another idea. Um, and I would always rather kind of just keep, keep movement happening. Um, and, and I'm, I'm getting better at that with my own stuff, but, uh, you know, but it's, but it's tough, you know, it's, it's. It's like a, a label can say, Hey, I, I need this record by January 1st. And somehow, no matter what, I can always get that record delivered by January 1st. <laughs> but, but, but then I'll be working on like a five song EP for myself that will take three years <laughs> because, there's, because <laughs> there's no deadline and no one's waiting for it. And, um, you know, there's no, no one else to validate. V- validate if it's done or good along the way, so you just you just keep going forever.
0: <laughs> so the lesson is that you need accountability and you need deadlines, and yeah, that that's how shit gets done.
1: Yeah, that's so much easier said than done too, because I I've tried imposing deadlines upon myself for my own things, and that doesn't work the same way. You know, it's I I have if if I know I owe something, you know, I'm indebted to, to someone else somehow. I, I figure out a way. Being indebted to my to, to my own self isn't isn't enough to uh, <laughs> to, to, to help me out of that so rut need all the p- time.
0: You need to put it out there publicly. Like I plan on writing an EP by this <laughs> <Yeah>. date.
1: <laughs> That's that, 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 <laughs> true, yeah, yeah, and I've done that too. Where I've I've set like release dates for myself and things, and that and that. That kind of that kind of for, forces you to to do that. <laughs>
0: it's it's funny though. It, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's 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 easy to be the critic of someone else and and uh, you know help them get get through whatever obstacles they're facing and you know get stuff done. But then when it comes to yourself, it's like you'll just beat yourself up. I always say the problem with searching for problems is that you're always going to find problems. So you know it's like it's just this never ending cycle. That's amazing, man. Well, I, I, everything you're sharing here is is. Fantastic from
1: uh,
0: (laughs) just for for songwriting. It's like, it's blowing my mind. Just like you've said, all these little tips that I think are just so critical to getting stuff done and being organized with it, as opposed to like this very abstract approach to it that so many people take. I know that there's a lot of people that are listening to this that they're not necessarily looking to be engineers, but they are looking to be songwriters and write songs for other people. What advice do you have for people who are trying to figure out how to get started as a pro songwriter? Like, what resources should they be looking into? How do they get their songs heard and pitched? Sure. Where should they go for that kind of stuff?
1: The biggest thing with being a a, a pro writer, I think, is, is output and really being able to have a lot of ideas. Aside from the obvious thing of just write, 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 you know, of course you should you should write as much as possible. But more than anything, to me, catalog those ideas, have them organized, whether it's a, a folder in Dropbox of all your iPhone clips of singing things into your phone or playing things in your phone, to, to demos, to having text documents of song titles just there, you know, random lyrics and and just having it accessible you know I, i love when i work with like an artist that has like a notebook of just like random stuff to me to me i'm like give me that notebook and i'll just open it up and be like this thing looks cool like let's keep writing around that and um just having any piece is is helpful so i think even as a pro it goes the same as a pro writer when i walk in these sessions and where maybe they don't already have an idea or they're struggling with an idea Maybe they don't even have. Maybe they have a cool musical thing, but they don't have a title, and I'm and I'm like, here's like ten awesome titles, and then they're super stoked because they can't even pick which title they want to go with, because they like ten, right? So, but lots of it comes down to having a lot of ideas ready to go, because I'll play every artist I pitch stuff to. I'll play them five to ten things, and then we might work on one of those things or two of those things. Um, so it's you know, there's something to be said for you know even the best base- baseball players in the world only hit the ball 30% of the time so you have to take a thousand swings at it you know you have to be able to come up with material quickly and I think the only only way um, you kind of do that is just by practice and doing it, do, doing it a bunch of times N- now it's even on my worst day I can still write a song nowadays I've done it enough times I know I, I know how to get from point A to B and act one two and three and w- you know whatever right that's just because I've done it enough, and obviously you're going to be more inspired certain days. You're going to work with more inspiring people certain days. But as a pro, you got to figure out how, even on the worst day, even on the artist's worst day, how do you arrive at something? <laughs> how do you? So even, even even if it's a disaster, it's still well. Here's the the demo from the day and the label goes, Oh, awesome. You still got something done because a lot, because uh, a lot of people, a lot of other people sometimes don't. And, um, I see a lot of failed sessions and songwriting sessions where I'm amazed. How could you spend four days with someone and not get anything to, you know, to me, it's it, I always have to try to arrive at something. So I, I learn how to speak people, people's language. I learn how to temper my own, uh, emotions and learn how to be a better team player. It can be really hard when you start songwriting and you're pitching stuff, and you're like, especially if you think something's good, and you're just like, I know this is good, and someone else is just like, Oh no, it sucks, or we need to change the coolest part about it to something that's not as cool, <laughs> and and you're just and and you're just like, God damn, I just I, I can feel the song slip slipping away from me. But but the worst thing would be to to fight the artist because they're because they're, the, they're they're the person. So it's like, yes, I have to educate them, maybe sometimes, or I have to try to explain my point of view as I would with a friend. But at the end of the day, they're right no matter what. So it's up to me to speak their language and communicate within, you know, the ideas that we're, we're, we're working on in in a way that, that they understand and, and, and can go, can interact and go along for the ride and stuff.
0: Yeah. I I think that that's fantastic. Even just like the idea of, you know, to your point of output and, you know, you're only going to hit gold every now and then, but like, you know. You need to have that output there and you need to be organized. And as you were saying that, I was even just thinking of, like, kind of along those lines of what you were saying earlier, where, you know, you research people and you figure out what their highest range is, their lowest range is, all that kind of stuff. From a songwriter perspective, who, like, if you're if you're writing all the time, you could be even like organizing your files in terms of like, you know, file structure, like have like genres or tempos or keys or that kind of stuff. Right. And then like when it comes time where you have that artist that fits all those pieces, you could easily find those easy those songs for them. Right.
1: Well, and the great thing is, is it totally is a, a thing of when one man's trash is another man's treasure. And, you know, in the beginning, it was disheartening to have a lot of ideas turned down. Because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't done a billion pitches, so I, I hadn't I hadn't got used used enough to re- to rejection by that point. But after a while, you realize, okay, those that idea that maybe five people turn down, all of a sudden one artist loves and turns into a hit song for themselves. So I, I've learned now to just not be that attached and to not take every idea that personally, and just just have a lot of stuff ready to go, a lot of aces in your back pocket, re- you know, ready to play. And i do it exactly how you said by you know i have all a dropbox hierarchy of all different genres different stages of demos in different folders i know if if i'm working with a band and they need an instrumental idea i have a folder of just instrumental ideas and riffs and i have a folder of just you know hooks and you know song pitches and all that kind of stuff I'm, i'm amazed i'll work on some things that won't get used for six or seven years and i'll be you know this year i've recorded multiple songs that I demoed six or seven years ago and now they're curtain songs, you know? So it's, you know, at, at this point it's, a, it's, a, it's the long game. It's, it's not being, not being afraid to fail, having enough stuff to keep playing someone the next thing. And the next thing, like when it comes to pitches and stuff, you know, you, you might have to send out a hundred emails to a hundred different bands, you know, ask, asking if they want to co-write before, before one says yes. And then the, that one that says yes, uh, you know, might not like your first 10 ideas. So so that's why it's like you got to hit up lots of people. You have to make relationships. You have to figure out ways you can build trust with a lot of the artists that I work with. I don't like cold pitching them full-on songs because lots of the time they want to contribute and stuff too. So, so even a way for me to build trust is by co-writing with them, is by even if I have a whole course in my head, I might not even tell them I have that course. You know, I might we'll just sit in a room like we're co-writing it together, which we are, and I'll bring that idea up at the right time. But if I, but I know if I play it at the start of the day, first minute of the session, hey, do you want to sing this song and press play? They might just be like, oh, it's cool, but like, what if we do something new? At the same time, if I just have an instrumental of that we and we vibe on it for an hour or two, and then all of a sudden I sing them in person the, the chorus idea rather than have it all predetermined and laid out already, it feels like it's part of the game, and it, and it, and it you know it's something that then they can riff on, and we can riff on with each other, and and go somewhere with it, rather than maybe them feeling too boxed into to an idea already. So that's why just be, you know lots of it's be, being open minded and just trying to succeed regardless of the of, of the var- of the variables, and 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 trying to maintain the the trust and the relationships with the, peop- with the people you're working with at the same time. At least if the people trust you and they like you, you can have a bad day together where you just don't get a good idea that day. And at the end of it, it's okay because you, you, you know, it's not each other's fault. It was just, just not no good vibes that day or whatever, but building those relationships as a, song, as a pro songwriter is very important because I know a lot of guys that are super talented that can write even better songs than, uh, than, than me, I'm sure. But they maybe don't know how to how to communicate with the clients as effectively, or they don't know how to how to not get butt hurt when someone says their chorus needs to be rewritten, or what else you got? And they're like, "What do you mean? What else I got? This is the best song I have ever." You know, it's like to me now, all the songs I have, they're all the same. I, I'm never like, "This is the best song I've ever done." It's all just, you know, it's all just different versions of the same thing for different people and someone just can identify more or less with one based upon their own uh experiences and their own perspective
0: yeah i, I think that that's like a perfect spot to end this on because yeah trust is trust is what it's all about right whether you're writing whether it's trust with the artists that you're writing with or it's trust with the fans that these songs are going out to like they want to they want to trust that you're you're singing about genuine things and that they believe you and you know you're you're staying true to yourself so man this was this was amazing <laughs> Thank <you. laughs> thanks man I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk about all this stuff and i i i'm inspired to write a song now so. oh, that,
1: that's awesome <laughs> i mean i mean i love music and i love talking about this stuff i could literally t- talk all day about it just the that's what's why i got into it it just I, I love storytelling i love people being excited about something i love just building worlds i love i, I love it all and um i'm thankful that even after Working in the business for fifteen or so years, that uh, that I still I still love it, and I still always try to start from a place of passion first, you know. And you know, I've written thousands of songs, I've released hundreds of songs. At the start of the day, when I start a song, I just have to ask. I always ask myself, like, what makes this song worth doing? And when you start with that, I think you start from a more honest place. You you try to, and you just got to try to figure out why why. You know, everything you're doing should be important. So make it important. Think about it importantly. Yeah, you can come up with ideas just for the sake of ideas. But if you really want them to matter, you got to ask yourself, why is this idea important? Why does this need to be said? Why does it need to be communicated? And I think most ideas do need to be said and communicated. You just have to figure out the right way to do it. So, you know, definitely love what you do. and. Um, Treat it like it matters.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, and and often your message is more important to other people than it is to yourself in a way, you know. So it a needs thousand
1: percent, up. a thousand percent. So it's like you know, don't don't judge yourself too hard. Just be be yourself and try to figure out how to be the most bombastic version of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man.
0: Well, for people who want to learn more about you and, and uh, possibly even work with you, how can they follow you online and, and learn more?
1: Sure. Um, you can. Uh, I do have a website, com, where you can go, go check out some of the music I've done, some things on there. Um, there is a contact form on there to uh, to hit me up about booking uh, and rates and upload, a, you can even upload a file to me and stuff if you need me to hear something first. Of course, I'm on social media, all forms of social, just look up Kane Chirko and I'm there. And I, I, I love interacting with everybody and answering questions and stuff. So uh, if, you, if you're hearing this, feel free to look me up and uh, let's be friends. Amazing. And uh, lastly, any
0: cool projects that you're currently working on right now that you're excited to share?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of cool stuff uh, that we finished Uh, my dad and i actually produced the new in this moment album together um, completely collaboratively so i'm really excited about that Um, that's been done for a minute and hopefully coming out in the next few months i got a skillet song coming out soon on the next uh skillet record or i think they're doing actually deluxe edition of the record and this song is going to be on there i'm super stoked about that and there's also a band i'm working with here in vegas called violent idols whose ep i just finished up that's really cool to me. It's kind of like an industrial new metal Marilyn Manson slash Rob Zombie-esque kind of thing, and uh, I, I really dig that. I love working with bands that are kind of theatrical and, and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun.
0: Very cool. Looking forward to hearing it. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for being on here. I really appreciate it. For sure, man. Thank, thanks for having me. So that was my interview with Kane Churko, and holy crap, that was a that was a master class in songwriting in my opinion, and and I love the fact that You know, he's not a technical guy. Instead, he comes at it from a methodical standpoint. And as much as he says he doesn't stick to formulas, he has this kind of formulaic, organized way of thinking about writing songs. And I think that that's a very cool approach to go from. And uh, to his point there of like, you just got to write songs. You have to write thousands of songs and you're going to hit gold on some of them. But you just got to keep the output going. And you have to think about the people you're working with and be methodical about it. I love that he said that he kind of goes into this method acting point of view whenever he's writing songs for other artists I think that that's very cool just the way he organizes his tracks and and just thinks about the whole process it that just blew me away so I'm I'm super excited that Kane was on here today to talk to you guys about all of this stuff and uh, I know that if you put this into practice you're gonna find it very very helpful as well so Kane thank you one more time for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And to the listeners, thank you for listening all the way to the end here. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I love making these episodes for you guys because, you know, hearing great advice like this, it just, it's, it's, it's inspiring. It's inspiring. So really glad that you're here today. And look, if you like this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a rating and a review on iTunes. That would be massive. This helps to get the word out there about this podcast helps to expose it to new audiences. So if you don't mind doing that, that would be huge. Just leave a rating and review on iTunes, preferably a five star, please. (laughs) But uh, yeah, let me know what you think of this episode. And also, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, please make sure to go to MasterYourMix.com and uh, check it out on that website. That's where I have a whole bunch of tutorials and other tips and tricks and a bunch of other great resources for you to learn all about production. If you go to the website right now, I'm currently giving away a free download. It's called The Ultimate Mixing Blueprint. It's a guide to using EQ and compression in your tracks. And once you sign up for that, you'll be added to my mailing list where every week I try to send out new tips and tutorials and videos and podcast episodes and all sorts of other great resources like this one to help you learn from and to help you create more music. Because like I've said before, it's super critical to release music and to get it out there because often you have a message that transcends just you. I know this kind of kind of sounds a little hippie-ish, but and I'm, I assure you, I'm not a hippie, but <laughs> but it's super important to get your message out there because often we write songs that you know we try to just make songs that make us feel good, but very often that message that you're writing about actually can affect so many more people it can inspire so many more people it can help people and getting your music out there is the only way to spread that message so guys keep creating great music i know that there's a lot of talented people out there and i'd love to hear more amazing music put out in the world so once again thank you so much for listening to today's episode and once again visit masteryourmix.com and if you can leave a rating and review on itunes that would be amazing And that's it for today's episode. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you in the next one. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Master Your Mix podcast. To have your questions answered, submit your questions to questions at MasterYourMix.com. Please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. And for more information on how you can improve your mixes, visit MasterYourMix.com.